0: You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbo. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a special guest. I'm talking to Sam Couch. He is a decisive moment photographer. He's a geologist by training, and he's also a podcast host. He's the host of the Heart of Adventure podcast, exploring everyone's definition of adventure. And he is truly the adventurer. He's a skier, hiker, camper, and I cannot wait to dive in. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hi everyone. I'm Sam. I'm really excited to be on this show and just kind of dive into why I do what I do. And I'm just excited to be on this podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to start with a hard question. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you ask people on your podcast, how they define adventure. (laughs) So I want to start with how would you define adventure?
1: Yeah. I love that. That's the, that's the big question Uh, for me the definition of adventure would really be exploring your limitations and sometimes pushing past those limitations. So for example, that like, for me, that could be ascending a new route climbing or trying a whole new different kind of terrain. When I'm skiing, something that pushes my limits just a little bit to challenge, not only my mental state, but my physical state to essentially engulf me in the world or like, engulf me in the world that's around me. So I guess if I had to sum up my definition of adventure, it would really be just challenging myself in any way that I possibly can to learn something. Um, In fact, I have a, I have a tattoo on my right shoulder that says every mountaintop is within reach. If you just keep climbing. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think about every single day, whether it's a literal mountaintop or whether it's just any hurdle that you can imagine coming at you in life. So I think that ties into my definition of adventure just because it's constant challenge and getting better and creating everything and using it as a learning experience.
0: I like that. That's such a good answer. And sorry for throwing you on the spot. I was a little nervous to ask that question. I was like, oh God. No, that's awesome. I mean, like (laughs) I said,
1: it's one of those that, you know, I ask, I've asked so many people that question Mm -hmm. uh, even in passerby, but it's, it's amazing how different everyone's definition can be. But even yeah. then seeing some of those nuances that are very similar. So seeing things that, you know, a lot of people talked about just pushing yourself to a limit and maybe challenging yourself. And I've, I've always connected very well with that. But no, I love those tough questions. I think it's good, especially because that was the, the main goal of my podcast. It should yeah. be asked of me. But honestly, that definition probably changes weekly. Yeah. You know, it really just depends on what I'm doing during the week um, or what I have planned ahead. So yeah. it, it's good to remind myself why I love to adventure with that.
0: Yeah. So let's dive into uh, growing up, kind of your Mm -hmm. upbringing. When did you discover your love for the outdoors and your love for adventure?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Growing up in Montana, it was something to where, you know, really good hiking trails were only 10, 15 minutes away from my front door. So getting into hiking uh, with family, with friends at a young age was something that really got me to dive in and then what really got me interested in adventure was actually just looking up at the night sky and that's one reason why I really love that night sky side of photography is because I look up and I just think about all of the possibilities so just looking up seeing all of those stars and really thinking about oh my gosh there is so much here that we can wonder about that we can be in awe about and so I just started literally star chasing Um, certain things and just trying a bunch of different kinds of adventure. My family got me into skiing at a fairly young age when I was in elementary school. Um, That really became a huge passion pretty quickly. Uh, Winter, honestly, is probably my favorite season. So (laughs) getting out and being able to ski is something that I look forward to or snowshoe every year. Just a lot of stuff that I got to grow up doing in Montana. And then I decided to go to one of the most beautiful states in the world, Washington state. And just like we were talking about before this interview, that was near the Tacoma, Seattle area. And let me tell you, there is so much opportunity for adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Mm. I can think of countless trips to Mount Rainier National Park, um, going up in the North Cascades, going to the Olympic National Park, all of that kind of stuff, dropping down to Oregon, going to Crater Lake, just so many wonderful adventure memories from those areas, just continued to instill that passion And that is kind of when photography started to become important to me was Mm -hmm. young days in college, because I would go to all these places and I'm like, oh my gosh, there is so much I am seeing. And there's only so much that my brain can hold at a time. So Mm -hmm. why not capture a, essentially a moment in time, or as I like to say, the decisive moment, uh, which is coined by another very famous photographer. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's one of those things where I think of photography as a sense of time travel. Yeah. In a way. So I look at it as instead of just having to chalk all of these moments into my brain at once, I can take a picture and record that exact instant in time. And I can use that exact instant and go back to it. And sometimes I'm looking at pictures from four or five years ago and I can remember exactly what I was thinking about on that trip, or exactly, you know, it brings back the smells, it brings back the thoughts that I had on that trip. So really developing and cultivating that passion in college. Uh, Mm -hmm. Continuing into graduate school, which is where I got my graduate degree in geology. Uh, That gets you outside a lot. I got Mm -hmm. to basically live in Iceland for almost a month and a half doing some geology field mapping and field work. And it was probably the most unforgettable experience I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And we can dive into that way more later. I could talk about Iceland for hours. People make fun (laughs) of me for it all the time. But getting to carry on that sense of science and adventure there was Mm -hmm. great. And then I just really just continued pushing it. And now it's my goal to not only show people why it's so great to get outside for many reasons, but to inspire those who are new to the craft of just like going outside and then continuing to cultivate and motivate those that are veterans in going outside or doing things outside. So that's why you know, I've been, I've had the opportunity to photograph multiple professional athletes at GoPro games, a 100 mile trail race in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I have a soon to be event at the birds of prey skiing world championships. And these athletes are incredible. They're professional, but I want them to see that. Like if I can capture them in the decisive moment, they can perhaps relive those moments and Mm -hmm. get excited about exactly what they do every day.
0: Yeah. Can you explain what decisive moment photography is?
1: So it's Henri Cartier-Bresson is the French photographer who originally coined the phrase decisive moment. And essentially, I mean, he's written tons of stuff about it, but what I took from it is to capture a moment in time that might not necessarily ever be able to take place again. And the second I started studying that sort of craft of photography, I, I thought about my whole idea of, okay, well, photography is a great sense of time travel. And mm-hmm. due to the laws of nature around us and many different things, and many natural phenomena, you take a picture in one moment and even milliseconds later, it might look the same, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And so I think about this decisive moment that he coined every time I'm capturing a rock climber, capturing a skier barreling down the mountain at 80 miles an hour, mm-hmm. because how they take that turn, how they look at something, even though it seems routine to them that hold or that turn or that edge might not ever happen again. So I want to be able to capture that moment in time to not only share it with them, but to share it with the world. So I guess in summation, it's just, it's capturing an exact moment in time to inspire others.
0: I like that. What's your favorite photo you've taken that would
1: oh my gosh.
0: compass like decisive moment photography to you? Oh, that's a hard question.
1: <laughs> that is really tough because, you know, it's, it's something, so every week I have planning sessions and I'm thinking about mm. these photos that I want to take and yeah. photos that I have planned for, whether it be weeks to come cool. or months to come. And I'm like, oh, that's probably going to be my favorite photo huh. is when I take that. So that changes all the time. But I guess if I had to look through my entire catalog right now, uh, the most recent event that I went to was the Leadville 100 <laughs> which is a 100-mile trail race that takes place in Leadville, Colorado. Okay. And for those of you not familiar with this race, this race is absolutely brutal. <laughs> so not only is it 100 miles of running on trail,
0: yep.
1: it is up and downhill. There's obstacles. I, I mean, I'm talking about like the trail isn't always nice. Mm -hmm. right? Leadville is notorious, especially during this event to have huge raining periods. Um, some years it's actually even snowed up at the high altitude. So these athletes are dealing with absolutely everything when they're out running for, you know, the elite finish it in 16 to 18 hours. And then you have something like 30 hours to finish the race. So because there's cutoff times, but I took this one photo of, the, and this was about 43 ish miles into the race. So not even halfway at this point, people are pretty broken up. You know, you have your packs towards the front, you have your packs in the middle packs in the back of groups, but you're really starting to see the difference between where athletes are at at this point in the race. Mm -hmm. And we were hanging out at this downhill portion and this guy was coming around the corner and just had the biggest smile on his face when he saw two photographers standing at that point in the race because not every photographer was hiking up super far everyone was kind of in different sections but we just said you know let's let's hike up let's let's get these racers you know after they finish a really tough uphill and they're going to start coming downhill for a little bit yeah. and the picture that i was able to capture he just has the biggest smile on his face mm. and it was awesome just nice. seeing pure joy. And I guess it reminded me of, you know, you can put yourself through something so brutal, almost voluntarily for this. And even 43 miles in, he can be having the time of his life. And so capturing that kind of moment, capturing that pure happiness and joy on an athlete. I mean, it honestly, it brought tears to my eyes to see someone that happy and to see someone just constantly so excited, knowing that you still have a little over 50 miles left. Mm -hmm. So right now, that would be my favorite adventure photo. My favorite landscape photos would still have to be the photos from Iceland. I look back on those and to see the waterfall Skogafoss is truly incredible. It's monstrous. It's gorgeous. There's almost all, every time we went, there was a rainbow uh, being casted by the water and it's like, it just, it brings me back. Yeah. So I like that.
0: That's cool. Do you gravitate toward athletes more when you talk about decisive moment photography or is it that can it be landscape as
1: well? I love that. I think honestly, it can be both, Mm -hmm. um, athletes sometimes, you know, when I go to these events, that's obviously the sole focus, you know, like Mm -hmm. when I'm at something like the Leadville 100 or the skiing world championships coming up, the athletes are the main focus, but absolutely. I think the decisive moment can play in part to landscape photography. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes back to like shooting the night sky, for example, there Mm -hmm. are certain instances when you're going to catch a ton of satellites moving in space or there's a plane going by, but like when you get that moment where you don't get those in your shot, but you see this beautiful Milky Way. Mm -hmm. And I always love the light painting. So I'll have pictures where I paint a tent with light or I'll have my wife sit inside the tent with a headlamp on, perhaps pointing it up at the sky so we can see a beam.
0: Cool.
1: And I think that does capture a moment. I think that especially if there is someone in it or someone was there to see the landscape, they can relive those moments. Uh, through landscape decisive moments as well.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So I know you're a geologist by trade and I Mm -hmm. love geology. I think it's, it was my favorite class in college, but what is it like taking a photo, let's say of a mountain and then knowing how the mountain was formed and like having that
1: knowledge? Yes. I, I, I love that. I love being outside and just like really getting to think about it because it, It really, it forces my brain to think in two different ways. Mm -hmm. So it forces my brain when I'm taking the picture, I'm thinking about, okay, I got to make sure these settings look good. You know, what kind of depth of field do I want in the image? Is there a specific chunk of the mountain that I'm trying to really emulate in this? Mm -hmm. Is it being painted by natural light that just is glistening and looks beautiful? How can I focus on that? And then the other side of my brain is thinking, hmm. Is this, uh, how did this terrain form? You know, what kind of rock type have I seen while I'm hiking up the trail? What does that mean about its potential formation history? And that just makes taking the picture that much more fun. And it, it kind of makes the adventure Really fun, especially on, on rock climbing trips. If I'm climbing mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, this is granite. I like mm-hmm. this. This is really nice. This looks good. Like when we were up in Squamish, British Columbia, I was like, oh, cool. oh this rock is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> oh, and the holds are really nice too. Oh, and the pictures yeah. are going to be fun. So it's oh, cool. It's fun to think about multiple things at once when I'm on a shoot. and mm-hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned like mountain terrain building because that's a lot of what my emphasis was in graduate school. So oh, it is cool. something that I do think about a lot. Um, and it's fun too, because if I'm going somewhere that I've never been, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll look in some geology textbooks or I'll do some research online and say, Hmm, let me look up the geology of this area. That way, when I go, I have a little bit of information to think about while I'm up there.
0: Cool. That's really cool. I was always curious about that because it's just kind of mind blowing to look at a rock and be like, Oh, it was pushed up. This Mm -hmm. was originally horizontal and now it's crazy vertical. How did that happen? It's that kind
1: of Geology is so mind blowing too. And just to like even force your brain to think about that Mm -hmm. is sometimes it it's struggling. I mean, it's it's super fun and it pushes your brain. So yeah, it just adds that whole aspect. And oh my gosh, are there places in this country that have some of the coolest geology to see?
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So you you touched on this a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. Do you think that your photography and even your understanding of geology has connected you deeper to the earth in a way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think and that that's a big question too because, yeah. and it's something <laughs> that I've learned getting older. I mean, I'm not I'm not super old yet. Um, <laughs> I was actually just at the doctor today, and and she said that I am young in heart and spirit and in mm-hmm. body, and I, that made me really ex- excited. I'm, I'm only 26, but I, my goal yeah. is to stay young forever. Oh, good. But in terms of connecting to the earth, I think that as I have gotten older, I've realized that connection a lot more. Hmm. So, and uh, like an example that I can give you is when I used to, I mean, I trail run Mm -hmm. and it just helps kind of keep me in shape for these photography adventures, for these geologic trips, if I get to take those. Yeah. Um, but when I used to trail run, I always had music. I was always listening to music the whole time. And I think As I got older and stopped listening to music when I was on trail, not only for safety reasons, but Mm -hmm. just to kind of get that connection and bring me back down to earth. Because when you're outside, Mm -hmm. that is when you get to experience the sounds of nature, those natural sounds. Don't get me wrong. I listen to music every day and I love it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you can get outside and just completely turn that off, your cell phones on do not disturb or airplane mode because you're Mm -hmm. out of service. The only thing that you get to think about is you, maybe the person next to you and where you are on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so hearing those natural sounds, like one of my favorite things is just natural rushing water. Mm -hmm. There's just something about water that makes me feel at home. It makes me feel comfortable. It makes me feel safe. Mm -hmm. So every time I'm out on trail, my connection to the world really happens when, oh my gosh, there's a waterfall in the distance and I can hear it. And I'm just thinking, and at that point, I'm completely Zen. I'm completely relaxed. And it's just a great time. And photography really contributes to that because I get to go out and photograph this stuff. Mm -hmm. I get to go out and photograph rushing water creeks to kind of give it that really silky smooth texture, or I get to shoot a waterfall and kind of capture the fast motion or capture that rainbow that's forming. And so that kind of just goes back to reliving those exact moments Mm -hmm. to where I remember oh my gosh, this is exactly how I was feeling. This is how I felt connected with the earth on that hike. Mm -hmm. And reliving that through pictures is amazing.
0: Cool. How is your photography evolving?
1: Every day, (laughs) every minute I have, uh, when I moved to Colorado, um, I met, uh, this photographer uh, whose name is Tim Morse Okay. and he took it on to become my mentor for photography. He is, done photography for something like 47 years. And he had done sports photography. I mean, honestly, that like, that's one Mm. niche of his photography, but he has done so much. And so he took it upon himself to be my mentor. And that right there has been honestly a decisive moment in my business and my photography to push me forward and make me think about it every day. So how it's evolving is I'm getting more comfortable with certain niches. And mm. I'm getting more passionate about certain niches like landscapes, like night sky, like sports. And that can be, you know, adventure sports, like climbing, skiing, etc., to football, basketball, tennis, stuff like that. But just it's becoming more passionate over time.
0: Mm. You know,
1: so it's not it's evolving in terms of, OK, I'm upgrading my gear. I'm getting better gear, which is awesome. But the photographic mindset is evolving every day. I am thinking more and more before I go out on trips, I'm planning trips. I am mm-hmm. planning, okay, where is the light going to be? How does the Milky Way going to look in the sky? What is the moon currently at? Um, how am I looking on night sky clarity in terms of haze clouds, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So ever since meeting this mentor, I'm just thinking more and more about it every single day. And I think that that has helped tremendously because now I get onto a set or I go to an event, I'm going on a hike and I just, I feel more relaxed. I don't think as much. I'm kind of in that state of flow where I'm there and I just pick up the camera. I'm adjusting the settings as I go and it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when I got that photographer and this evolution really started taking place, it was monumental. Mm -hmm. I not only am am I seeing better looking photos on my end, because one of the hard parts is, is you edit a photo and it takes a while and then you look at it 10 minutes later and you hate it. (laughs) You need to kind of go through that process and really learn from it. And so it's just been this huge learning experience for me. And I, I honestly, I can't thank him enough. We try to meet up at least once every couple of weeks to either go on a shoot together or, you know, just talk about what I'm doing. And it's, it's, it's been huge for that.
0: That's amazing. I didn't realize how much of a mindset there is into photography. That is really cool.
1: Yeah. When people, when people ask, I say, you know, in my mind, it's a lot of physics. I love physics. I love math. I love all huh. that kind of stuff. And I do think about it in like mathematical terms. You know, if I'm changing one setting, the other setting, I might need to tweak a little bit as well, or take a peek into that. And yeah. it's fun. I mean, it is really fun. And then when you start throwing, um, I recently purchased a drone because I have Ooh. plans to, so not only take aerial images because
0: yeah,
1: those are, I mean, they look amazing, but taking these videos and Using voiceovers to perhaps inspire people to get outside, and so they might be these quick thirty-second clips of me talking about an experience while you're backpacking, or exactly what I was feeling to essentially motivate someone to say, "You know what? I want to go on a hike this weekend. I think that'd be really fun." Yeah. But you you think about all this, like with the drone, you're thinking about wind, you're thinking about how the lighting is going to be at this time. When Mm -hmm. you have the still photography, like still camera in your hands. It's like, yeah. okay, well, what do I want my ISO to be like, as I am photographing this person who's coming at me on mm-hmm. a hike, they have a really cool backpack on, I want to capture that for them. Cool. And it's, I think there is a lot of math that goes into photography, even if it's not like, I'm not running calculations in my head, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of mindset behind that of thinking, hmm, if I do this, this is what it's going to look like. And kind of predicting that moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. I remember my favorite drone story is Mm. I was, I was up in park city. I live in Salt Lake city and I was Mm. up in park city at a concert and, um, it was in the summer and this guy had a drone and these birds were attacking the drone. Yeah, I was like this, that I never thought of that would happen. Like that's definitely a variable, but it's, it's so funny to think about.
1: It is. And it's, it's funny too. Cause you know that, and that's one thing that, you know, you have to, everyone has to take this drone test that talks about, Hey, if you see birds up in the air, you know, make sure because they could very well attack it. And it's, yeah. it's so true because I'll tell you, there are birds that are significantly larger than these drones. <laughs> these drones are lightweight. And so that's why yeah. I, I have heard that story so many times. I have heard stories of hawks or eagles taking drones out, which I also oh. find impressive because these things aren't quiet, you know, they're pretty yeah. loud. They're producing a lot of wind. Yeah. And then you just see this huge bird of prey just come in and <laughs> swipe it out of the sky. But oh. yeah, it's, it's incredible what people are able to capture, but also some of the stories behind the drones too, I think is pretty mm. cool.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see how your feed changes with your drone photography and how it keeps yeah. evolving. Cause yeah, I I'm definitely noticed that. that. I definitely noticed the evolution after Leadville where you took photos of the people running, you could see it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's actually really good to hear that. You're noticing that, that change. Yeah. There's, I, I really appreciate that. There's a lot of big changes coming soon. And you know, social media is just, it's honestly just a constant evolution and just huh. kind of seeing what works and putting stuff out there for the world to see. And like, I, you know, I got on TikTok a while ago and I think that's when the the videos are really going to come in handy is when I can show people those drone videos and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like I said, if I can inspire people to love this planet more or to just get outside and take a deep breath, I've I've done my job and I'm super happy about it.
0: That's awesome. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your other medium of inspiring people. Let's talk about the Heart of Adventure podcast. Oh, yeah. So when did you decide to start your podcast?
1: So I started that during kind of in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So okay. it was at this point, graduate school became completely virtual. That including mm-hmm. that included all the teaching experience. And I was oh, sitting so on the, I was sitting on the sofa one night talking to my wife. And I said, you know, I think I'm gonna start a podcast. And she goes, That's awesome. What like I you're fun to talk to, all that stuff. But <laughs> what, what is it gonna be about? And I said, you know, one thing that I'm super passionate about is making people feel welcome outside mm-hmm. in any sort of environment because mm-hmm. you know so much of the outdoor community is currently inaccessible with how much it costs to do things yeah. um sports that i love to do i mean i love to ski i love to climb backpacking stuff like that those are super expensive to get into and a lot of times very intimidating mm-hmm. especially if you're not super represented in that community And so I took it upon myself to say, I want to start asking people what their definition of adventure is. Because to me, and you might've heard this in the intro too, is like the definition of adventure can be like people's definition of the word love. You ask one person, their definition of love, and they're going to give you something, but then you go and ask someone else who's had a completely different upbringing or completely different experiences with the word love is going to give you something completely different. Mm-hmm. overarching themes might be very similar. Like I talked about with that definition of adventure, but inherently they're going to be different based upon your experiences. Yes. And so the goal with getting many different people, a lot of the first season was many photographers because that's the community that I'm comfortable with. But season two really dives into a lot. You know, it dives into mm-hmm. storytellers. It dives into world travelers. It, it's and rock climbing instructors and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it starts to get that overall notion of, Oh, well, adventure isn't just limited to that Google search that says climbing, skiing, skydiving, you know, <laughs> really adventurous, high-intensity sports like that. Yeah. It can be something as simple as, you know what? I have never been to the coffee shop that is five blocks that way. Yeah. Let's go today. Let, oh. Let's go on a walk. Let's go take a breath outside. Let's get excited to go do something new. And who knows, for someone that might completely push their limit of mm-hmm. what they were comfortable with before, but then they do it and they realize, wow, what a cool experience. And so, you know, I've, I've been on kind of a break from that podcast ever since moving to Colorado, but it, there's yeah. a lot of inspiration to kind of get that thing going again to, because mm-hmm. I've met tons of really cool people here in Colorado that I'm sure have incredible definitions of adventure. Cool. So just, kind of breaking down those barriers of, oh, if you want to be considered an adventurer, you have to be a rock climber. You have to go skydiving. You have to be skiing because anything is adventure. It's what you think adventure is. And that's what's important. So it's breaking down those barriers, making that sort of adventure culture, one that everyone can experience, because Mm. I really do feel like if they can experience it, it's going to be life-changing for them.
0: I love that. I think my favorite part of your intro is when you say you mentioned yoga enthusiasts and my head popped up when you said, I was like, I'm a yoga teacher and I would never have thought like doing yoga or being a yoga enthusiast would be adventure, but it totally is.
1: It is totally adventurous. And that's actually like something I'd love to dive in more at the end of this podcast too, is like, I I started doing yoga as just a, okay, it feels really good. It keeps me flexible. It keeps me healthy. And so I started doing yin yoga Okay. you know, two to three days a week. And I'm obsessed with it now. Yeah, It's incredible. <laughs> and I think adventure absolutely could go towards a yoga enthusiast because I know people that are, honestly, it's mind changing. Your brain literally in some ways, like leaves the reality and makes you feel really good depending on what state you're in. And I think that's an absolute adventure. I mm-hmm. think learning from yoga and kind of developing that spirituality sense of things is amazing. So yeah. yes, absolutely. It, yoga enthusiast or someone like yourself with your background in yoga, I love listening to your episodes on that, um, is something that I would absolutely consider adventurous and something that does change a lot of people's lives every single day.
0: Yeah. What is your biggest goal with your podcast? I know you moved and it's definitely so common for podcast hosts to take a break. I definitely did last year, my senior year of college, but what is your goal when you bring it back up?
1: Yeah, once this break is over, and I'm I'm excited to take a break, as I'm sure you might have been as well. I think it's a good (laughs) mental reset and gives you time to really think about it. Um, But really, the big goal is just to, I I like reaching the audience who is already a part of the adventure culture. And Mm -hmm. I've gotten some really good feedback and compliments from people that are already in the culture saying, this is Mm -hmm. such a good idea. Like, I love hearing other people's stories and, you know, sharing that. But I think really, the big goal is to not only uplift that storytelling side of adventuring cuz i think that's huge i think talking about experiences is phenomenal but inspiring those who don't quite feel comfortable to take that jump mm. into trying something new yeah. and that's really the audience that i would like to hit people that are underrepresented in the community people that you know struggle financially that mm. kind of just want some motivation on what they can do to change their lives a little bit, give them a little bit of uplift. So biggest goal would just be to reach that audience and really kind of drive that foot forward of this is an amazing culture to be a part of, especially when you meet the right people who support you. They always have your back and they're going to be there as a resource for you whenever you need them. And so just showing people that 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 exists, that does exist. It's not this idea of, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I don't have enough money to... Do yeah. this. There's no way I would never go up, you know, a hundred feet on the rock wall. Like there's no yeah. way I'm scared of heights. That's great. There's other things that you can do.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm
1: going to hopefully show you that there are other people who are considered adventurers that do the kinds of things that you love.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is very new to the outdoor community? I'm from the Chicago suburbs, so I didn't really grow up hiking or adventuring. I was outside, but I was in the suburbs. So what advice would you give to someone like that? Who's never really stepped foot on a trip. Yeah, that's
1: great. And sometimes that's actually a question that I ask on my podcast as well, and how people can kind of get that jumpstart, um, which I think, you know, a lot of it could be finding a club or a Mm -hmm. community that is already a part of it with Mm -hmm. people that you maybe identify with or people that you like to be around. And kind of, you know, putting that toe in the water to try it. So, because I think community is a big thing in the adventure culture is generally when you hear people going on a climbing trip, it's it's a bunch of different climbers who are super good friends. And the part that they look forward to the most in a lot of stories that I've heard is just being with that community, being with that group of people who you identify with, who you love to be around, who make you feel good. So, you know, finding stuff like that. And I know that in some areas that is not necessarily easy to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes putting that foot directly into a club or something like that is extremely intimidating. And I think for people that do find it intimidating at first, I totally think it's okay to, take small steps and take those baby steps. And that's kind of where that example that I was talking about earlier of trying a new coffee shop, mm-hmm. trying something different, maybe And honestly, I'm even like jumping to smaller things now. It could be, you know, watching a movie that is about something that you'd like to do later on in life to kind of get some Ooh. motivation for it. And yeah. so it's starting off. It doesn't matter how small or how large you start. That's all going to be dependent on who you are as a person, mm-hmm. but working in a way that makes you feel comfortable, but challenged at the same time. Mm -hmm. So finding that community, finding steps that you can take to make yourself more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And honestly, there are people that go out and solo hike all the time. And that is their definition of adventure. They find peace. They find everything that they need in that. And sometimes those kinds of adventurers start off because they start walking in their neighborhood every evening. So just finding things that make you passionate and realizing that your passion can take you much further than you ever thought before. That's kind of where photography has taken me.
0: So I love that. That's such a good point. Okay. I have to ask you this because I bought my icon pass yesterday. Are you excited for ski season?
1: I am. (laughs) You know, I think it's, and I'm one of those people that I, I look up the weather long before. And I'm like, all right, so we're in a La Nina this year. Let's think about how that's oh going to affect precipitation in Colorado. Oh, you're really uh, yeah, it. We, we had Icon Passes last year. And we just, oh my gosh, it was every weekend. It's like, okay, we're going skiing. And we're yeah. going to try someplace new. And oh my gosh, it was epic. And we found our favorite mountains for sure. But what I realized about the Icon Passes, Oh my gosh, there are so many resorts on this pass that are just yes. outside of Colorado that we got to take advantage of. We got to make sure we're going to these other places because that's, you know, skiing in Colorado is going to be different than skiing in Japan, skiing in Canada, mm-hmm. skiing in Utah, mm-hmm. um, skiing in Washington. When I skied there a few times was completely different snow than Montana did you and Colorado.
0: In Washington White Pass. Oh, okay. I've done Crystal Mountain.
1: Oh yeah, Crystal, I've always wanted to go. Okay. Um, it's big. I'm sure I'm, i well, yeah. You I'm sure I've heard it's like it's best not. time to go is on a weekday because it's super big but super fun. So one day, one day I'll get out there. <laughs> but yes, very excited. Um, we snowshoe a lot too. And this year we were talking about it. We're gonna do a lot of cross-country skiing because I love cross-country skiing. I love the kind of that workout that you get with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna do we're gonna do a bunch. I'm really hoping for some good snow this year because. Cool. For the couple of powder days that we had last year, it was incredible. I could not believe how much fun it was.
0: That's amazing. So you're pho- photographing the world championships for skiing. What was that? Yeah. So
1: this is, it's the Birds of Prey Skiing World Championships. It's taking place in Beaver Creek, Colorado. Okay. So it's a, it's not the entire world championship. It's a <laughs> section of it, right? Cause they cool. score points throughout the year. Yeah. And so this year the events are. It's the men's downhill and the men's super G. So oh. super quick. Um, wow. and, you know, those are those races that you see on TV. If you watch skiing where they're, you know, they're tucked in and they're, and yeah. they're skiing down this super long run. So yeah, we'll get to do a lot of that stuff. Uh, that is the first weekend in December.
0: Wow. So How do you even photograph fun. that they're moving so fast?
1: You so what's cool is we get course access, you know, we're going to be somewhere up on part of the course. And then you just how my mentor puts it perfectly. Whereas if you if you're seeing it outside of the camera, you've missed the event. And so what you do is my Mm. eye is never off of that camera. So I have the camera and then I have um, sometimes a backup camera or a GoPro that's on a remote like video or shutter. So I'm getting multiple things and you find the person that you want to photograph, you're auto-focused onto them and you take a hundred pictures as they go by. And it's just this super quick burst because you want to capture, I mean, shutter speeds are cranked up because you want to capture every ounce that you possibly can, because if they're in the air and they have this, like, you know, this really intense look on their face, I live for those photos because it shows struggle. It shows that oh my gosh, I have trained all the way up to this moment. So there's, and that's where it's really nice because my wife comes along with me and (sighs) she is phenomenal at what she does. She has a super good eye for things and will say, hey, do this, do this next, you know, really photograph this stuff next. She's really into skiing and that kind of stuff too. So it's always good to have someone there next to you, not only supporting you, but, you know, giving you, hey, they're coming down this way. Make sure you're ready for this shot, this shot and this shot.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun.
0: That's so exciting though. I cannot imagine you having skis. Like you probably have skis on and you have all of your gear in your backpack, right? How do you so, ski with all your gear?
1: If, if, if you're doing a ski shoot, you can put it in a backpack and ski down and then you're going to find a spot to kind of set up and then you'll stay there for a while Isn't with this so one. Cool? It'll most likely be a hike up to the oh spot on the course. And then I'll just kind of park and stay there for a few hours and just get people as they're going. And then I'll perhaps maybe move up a little bit more, move down depending on where lighting and stuff like that is. But I like, I think for this event, one of the plans is getting them on the really sharp sections of the course where they're turning really hard or they're going airborne because they have so much stink and speed going down this hill. Um, So really getting those moments I think will be important, but yeah, it's a lot of, that's why I love, you know, I have a workout routine that trains me to be an adventure photographer. It gets oh. me motivated because it it's a lot of work. You know, carrying yeah. we were on a backpacking trip up in Wyoming last week or oh, cool. two weeks ago. It was amazing. Cool. And, you know, I brought the drone up to get some videos, wow. camera, two different lenses. So yeah. it's all this extra gear on your back. It's it's heavy. Yeah. And it's but it's worthwhile once you get up there and you can really start capturing it. Cool.
0: That's amazing. So I only have a few more questions. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned you were a trail runner. Would you ever do the Leadville 100?
1: <laughs> oh, 100 miles is a lot. Um, I've done s- some half marathons on trail and those were amazing oh. and super, super fun. And I'm, oh, I'm weird because I like hills. Oh, so God. I like running uphill. I like biking uphill. I was a triathlete oh. for some time too. And cool um a swimmer and i always loved the super intensive like let's get this heart pumping um if i'm on a bike i want to grind it out up those steep hills or on a trail i look forward to the hilly parts because it just it puts me in a mental state that i don't have to think about anything i can just think about okay i just got to push through this i just got to mm-hmm. burn through this it's going to be great i just got to have fun huh. let the hundreds a big stretch you know that's yeah. i think if i Never say never for first of all, but I would have to really set out a training regimen that was, I mean, so highly specific because you're putting your body under so much stress. You have to learn how to eat while you're exercising mm-hmm. during those events because you need to be taking in calories like none other during those, right. taking in electrolytes. Um, but I do have a goal that, bef- because like I said, I swam in college, I was a swimmer mm-hmm. for a long time and a oh, distance at that. Like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool. It was super
1: fun but oh, I have this goal before I'm 30 to swim a 10 K open water, oh um, which is one of the longer distances oh. in swimming. I've done a 10 K in a pool, but I think I want that challenge wow. of open water. Cause that kind of brings back like, You got to focus on eating. You got to focus on being able to drink during this race. So going to hire a coach in and, the water, uh, checkpoints. What you can do is like, you can have gel flip over, put the gel in, keep going, um, stuff oh like that. God. So, It's going to be a fun experience and I have yeah four years to come soon to be three years to complete it, but you know, it's a, it's going to be fun. I kind of have some destinations of where I might want to do it and then just kind of go and have fun. But Leadville, I think is a bit far out. However, never say never. You never know where this world's going to take you.
0: So I like that. Well, I'll have to see when you do that race, how it goes. Cause that sounds like a plan. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be,
1: I'll have somewhat. GoPro or something around me to document it.
0: That's so cool. Okay, so where I'll start with my favorite question. I ask every guest this question. If you can go anywhere in the world, where would you not go?
1: Where would you not go? Oh, see, I was so ready to answer the question of okay, I know exactly where I'm gonna go. (laughs) This is gonna be great. Um, where would I not go? Oh, wow, that's tough. Um Okay. So I am not a huge fan of the heat. Okay. Um, I don't do well in the heat. I am, that's like I said, favorite season is winter followed by fall because wow. I just, I love the cool. I love that crisp air. Yeah. Um, I like getting back from a ski trip and sitting in a hot tub because it's so cold outside and it feels good. I, mm-hmm. I just, I like cold. So I guess yeah. if I was going to pick a place to not go, It'd probably be like the Sahara desert because that place is wickedly hot. And I have learned too much about the kinds of scorpions that live there. And that terrifies me (laughs) Um, because then, I mean, it's just, it's, you get stung and you really don't have a chance. So the Sahara desert, there's a lot of other spots in that area that I really, really want to go, Okay, but I would, I would pass on a long trip to the Sahara. Okay. You know, I might, I might see it for a small day excursion, but ugh, not for a long extended period of time. I just, I Ooh. don't do heat well.
0: Yeah. Interesting. It gets hot in Colorado, doesn't it?
1: It does. Oh my gosh. Did we have a summer of yeah. heat? Uh. Although I'll tell you, it was never, when we lived in Boise, there was one summer where oh. there was an entire week of 105 plus, and <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah. Colorado got hot. Although if you get up high enough in the mountains that it cools off pretty quickly, you know, if you're above 10,000 feet, it's, it's, it's nice. And we're getting, starting to get this fall weather, you know, and we're starting to get those cool breezes in the afternoon. And I'm just like, all right, throw on those flannel sheets, bring on the cool. I'm a huge fan of pumpkin spice stuff. Bring it on. Okay, (laughs) Like, let's go. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I love that. So where are you going as a photographer? Where's your biggest place you want to go next to shoot?
1: I really want to go. I want to go back to Iceland and take it from a full on photography standpoint this time. So really not thinking about geology and renting one of those off-road vehicles to really get back in the deep country. The big Um, trucks. Yeah. They're so cool. And they have like (laughs) campers built into them. Yeah, And I saw them and I'm like, that's what we're doing next time.
0: Yeah. Hands down, because
1: you can see so much more. And I want to go back because I went in the summer and got to oh, experience that almost twenty-four hour sunlight, which was incredible. Yeah. So I want to do that again. But then I also want to go back in the winter because there's surfers that go out and surf in the winter time yes. in Iceland. There's a great documentary about it. Yes, um, it was on Netflix. And, uh,
0: it's under the Arctic yeah. sky, right?
1: Yeah, that's one of the, that's so interesting. And so yeah. being able to like capture that and then you know, seeing the Northern lights and stuff like that, but it would probably be (gasps) Iceland would be number one or, um, there's a lot of places in South America that I think would be so Mm. cool. You know, going to Chile, going to Argentina, seeing the Andes, that kind of stuff would just be, Mm. it'd be epic. Patagonia, for example, that area would be great too. Cool.
0: That's so exciting. Okay. So where can my listeners find you?
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I am on many different platforms you can follow the heart of adventure podcast that the does need to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, that's on every podcast platform, like Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google. Uh, Mm -hmm. so that's available. If you want to find where you can look at my photos and everything like that, I have Instagram at Sam couch underscore decisive moment photo. I also have TikTok at decisive moment photo. So there's a lot of different places to access me there. And what's nice is I have a thing whereas if you find one of them, you can click on a link and you can see all of my links that includes my okay. website, uh, which is where you're going to see the most up-to-date pictures before they go on to social media. You're going to see all of the drone videos in the library. Once those get up on YouTube and stuff like that. So, that would definitely be the best spot to reach me. And my email is accessible if you ever had questions over email or anything like that as well. So. Cool.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: It was my pleasure. This was a blast. And I was, I, thank you for inviting me. It was awesome yeah. to be able to talk about all this stuff with someone who is also equally as passionate.
0: Yeah, of course. I loved it. I loved all your stories and I think there were so many parallels. So it was awesome. <laughs>
1: Those are fun. That's what makes it fun though. The storytelling stuff with the, I think parallels make the stories more fun.
0: True. Exactly. Well, thank you. That was my interview with Sam couch. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as adventurers and podcast hosts. We had a lot in common and it was really fun to just share our experiences and connect. Um, I hope you check out his podcast. He has so many amazing interviews And if you like this episode, I encourage you to check out my other interviews. Thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to see where you go. Bye.